outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Fumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU podcast fan edition, Sooner fan edition. Uh, Once again, shout out to Anthony Jumper last week. uh, Fantastic. Uh, interview. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, it was a lot of fun to talk to um, someone uh, about a generation uh, from before my time, uh, talk about the late 80s, some of the 90s that is worthy of talking about. And of course, uh, again, like I've hyped it all up already, like Operation Mildcat was a great story to hear uh, for some added context to that 2001 OU Kansas State game that I think OU won 38-37. So it was uh, it was a good game. And so shout out to the pride of Oklahoma uh, for that extra boost in that victory from that game all those years ago. But yes, thank you to Anthony. But now I am joined by another special guest and uh, I guess a special guest times two because you are also a patron on Through the Keyhole and I'm not going to force you to kind of like here, give us some propaganda about the Patreon page, but I'll just sit here to tell you face to face over the Zoom machine. Uh, thank you very much for subscribing to the Patreon page. You've been on with us since March. So I, I'm happy to see that we've entertained you enough to at least uh, have you stick with us during the off season, which can be dull at times. But without further ado, uh, Mr. Trey Pollard, listener of the Inside OU podcast and through the keyhole. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate appreciate you having me on. I'm really excited to do this. I, uh, I came across you guys, you and uh, Keenan, about, I'm going to say a year ago. I'm just, uh, you know, the season was coming up and searching the podcast, this OU football. And yep. uh, inside OU came up, came on and uh, or came up. I've always been a listener of the Sooner Scoop guys, um, so I just wanted to get some more uh, uh, material out there, right? You know, just yeah. hear some more opinions and stuff like that. So I came across you guys and a few others, and I really enjoyed what you guys uh, what you guys brought. And then um, you guys talked about you know doing post game shows, things like that. So that's what really got me signed up on that. So yeah, oh yeah, I appreciate yeah. you having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah. And Keegan and I are still trying to hammer out the details about what through the keyhole is going to be during football season. Cause last year during the season, it was essentially just the post game show with some extra like written content here yeah. and there. And then during the off season, it's like, okay, well let's have it be, since there's no games, let's just have it be its own separate podcast as well. So I have no idea as of yet, if it's going to go back to the old format of Keyhole just being the post game show plus extra stuff, mm-hmm. or if we're going to have post game show plus an extra podcast plus an inside OU podcast, like we're still trying to figure all that out. Because I mean, I'm just like you. I mean, I'm not a media member covering the team, so um, when I started listening to podcasts, I just typed in OU football as well and got on to Sooner Scoop. Um, once I started working at the franchise and actually getting to work with Eddie Rodosovich, it kind of made it all the more like, Oh, this is like very fun to listen to. Yeah. And then, yeah, like I listen to about every other OU podcast out there just because uh, if it's a random Tuesday and you know, Sooner Scoop hasn't put their stuff out, Keegan and I haven't recorded keyhole just yet. Like I want to listen to OU football talk because it's one of the three things that I just kind of hyper obsess over. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but yeah, I'm glad that we came across your podcast sphere and, uh, um, I guess I'm, I'm glad to hear that we entertain or inform you, whatever the hell you get from us. I'm glad we give it to you. I love it, man. It's uh, in fact, I just listened to, you, to y'all's uh, podcast this morning from, uh, from, I guess Ooh. you guys did last night. So, uh, that was a yeah, late gonna, one. Yeah. Well, I, it sounded like it. Yeah. And then probably gonna listen to the, the sooner scoop guys later today. So, um, awesome. yeah, I really enjoy it. I, uh, I don't, I used to listen to a lot of music and it seems like lately I've just, uh, 
if I'm not listening to XM radio, a college sports station or the big 12 channel, I'm listening to you guys or other podcasts. So I uh, can't get enough OU football. Just love talking about it. I love um, debating with my Texas friends. I got plenty of, plenty of those. Um, I got plenty of Texas tech friends, which I can tell you all about uh, also um, just from my time in Lubbock, but uh, I love debating those guys. It gets frustrating, very frustrating because, <laughs> you know, there, there's always that narrative that they, they seem to follow. So. Yeah, no. And I did, I did want to get into your origin story in just a second. Cause I mean, right, right before we started recording, you told me so right off the bat, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is going to be a different type of story. Like we've talked to, I mean, I've talked to a handful of fans of, of listeners from across the state. I've got somebody, um, we're trying to get a schedule going uh, that's up from the Northeast. And now you telling me that you're, um, you went to Texas tech, you're mm-hmm. living in Lubbock. Like it, it's cool to just kind of you know, I'm not, this isn't like a me patting myself on the back that I, I run a podcast and it gets listened by like all these people, but in a very corny way, it is cool to feel that connection because you all feel it when you go into the stadium and you see that corny tweet out there that says, I just want to be in the stadium with 90,000 of my closest friends. Yep. Like mm-hmm. it's awesome to feel that connection. And even during the off season where there's no football going on, it's awesome to know that, you know, people in Lubbock, people from the Northeast, people in all over Oklahoma, you know, they're kind of tuning in and we're all kind of all in the same boat of like hurry up and get here but just I mean I felt it last night on through the keyholes podcast Trey but we are so close to football it's finally starting to feel like okay like there's actually some stuff to look forward to there's actually some stuff to talk about because I don't know if you've noticed but I've been I've been a little bit more aggressive in how I've talked about other big 12 teams. I'm like, all right, it's put up or shut up time. I don't care how yeah. good you are. Like, oh, you has bigger fish to fry. We're just here to kick your ass. Right. Yeah. I'm ready to, I, I always say once you get through 4th of July, it's downhill from there, you know, yeah. <laughs> get, get past the fourth, it's downhill. And I'm ready to be nervous on Saturday mornings, you know, getting ready for the game and doesn't matter who they're playing. I'm always, I'm a pessimist, man. I'm always thinking the worst. I just, yeah. uh, I've been burned so many times and uh, it doesn't matter who they're playing. I'm just thinking, man, just get through this game. Just get through this game. <laughs> but I'm, I'm ready for that feeling again. I, and then when, when the feeling's here, I'm like, oh man, I don't know how much more I can take of this. You know? I so, know. It, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. It shaves some years off your life oh, no I doubt. Mean, when OU is playing Texas and you can tell, oh, he's the better team, but why is this game going to overtime? And it's yeah. just like, well, there goes two years off my life expectancy. Yeah. But I do oh, have to pick, yeah. I do have to pick on something you said a little bit ago mm-hmm. about waking up Saturday mornings, getting ready for OU football. Well, when you wake up on Saturday morning, the game is already being played because OU only plays at 11 in the morning. Yeah. So. Well, well <laughs> when, you get, when you get to my age, uh, you tend to get up earlier, right? So oh, yeah, that, that's I'm true. in my mid forties. So I'm, I'm up at six, seven o'clock in the morning, so I'm 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 ready to roll by eleven o'clock. But yeah, I do uh, I do prefer the the later games uh, for sure. Um, the doesn't seem we get too many two thirty games, but uh, the one thing I do like about eleven o'clock games is getting them when they're over. You kind of enjoy the rest of the day of just sitting back and watching the SEC or whoever's coming on at night. You know, just watching some of those oh, yeah. games. Like I do, I do I do like that. But you know, like the um, uh, like the Nebraska game, man, it's just you know, September, it's going to be hot, 11 a.m., you know, just, I just really wish that was an evening game, you know, going up there for that game and things like that. So, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, play, play Kansas at 11 a.m. so they can yeah. kick their ass and then we can watch the rest of college football and have right. a good time. Cause you don't get excited for OU Kansas. You don't, you rarely get excited for OU Texas tech unless it's on the road and it's at night and yeah, you know, so like, yeah, but it is what it is. We have to deal with what we have to deal with. That's but right. 
let's get on to your origin story. So we okay. kind of already mentioned it off the bat. You are an alum of Texas Tech, and you're well, not. I did, yeah, yeah, I. Uh, so or I you out, went to Texas Tech. I yes. went to Texas Tech. Did not finish. I was out in Lubbock for about five years in the middle of the '90s. My OU story starts. Uh, you know, my dad just watching OU football every weekend. He's uh, he grew up in the '50s or grew up in the '50s. Um, he's got a lot of stories about the. OU football in the 70s, and my very first game was uh, 82 or 83. Uh, Hostetler in, uh, in West Virginia came to town. That was, oh. my, that was my very first game. Uh, I don't really remember it. Um, I hear stories from – I think we sat in the West Virginia section, and my, uh, my mom to this day still tells stories about the, the West Virginia Mountaineer shooting off a gun, constantly stepping on her feet, and it was just, I guess, a miserable experience. Um, and then the next thing, the next game I do remember is 84, uh, OU Oklahoma state. Um, I, I don't, I hadn't remembered until a couple of years ago. I think it came across on my YouTube or something. They were both ranked like two and three in the country that yep. year. And I, I hadn't, rem- I didn't remember that. And we didn't have tickets going up to the game. And, uh, we listened to a radio station and there was some, Something came across like, hey, if you're looking for OU, uh, Oklahoma State tickets today, call this number. Just some random guy. We pulled over. And a lot of people aren't going to know what this is, but we pulled over to a payphone, called the guy, and went over to his house and picked up a couple tickets for 20 bucks. And, and my dad still has that note with the guy's <laughs> name and, and number, in it, like somewhere in an address or something like that. But I remember thinking how cool it was when they won, the, they, they won that game. They were throwing oranges on the field. I thought that was really cool yeah. uh, back then. And, you know, then really sort of picked up for me in 85 when, um, you know, I don't remember a lot about the 85 season, but I just remember watching the Penn State National Championship game and winning that game and just that feeling of, you know, being the best team. Uh, so that's when I really got hooked on. And then then Miami happens. Um, oh, yeah. I want to say it's either 87 or 88. The, the, the year they went out there and Bosworth had 22 tackles, whatever it was. It was the, it was the next year. It was 86. Yeah, 86. Yeah. Okay. I, w- I would have been 10 years old that year. I was devastated. I went on the side of my house and, and bawled like a baby uh, over that game. And uh, I've hated Miami ever since then. Uh, 2007 was, uh, was gratifying for me, you know, going to that game and seeing them whoop up on Miami a little bit. So yeah, then the nineties rolled around and I went to two games in the 90s. Uh, I was a senior in high school in 93, went up there to watch A&M play. And then me and uh, my best friend, first year in college, I I wasn't at Texas Tech yet. I was actually at another school in uh, East Texas State at that time. And we drove to College Station and watched OU and uh, A&M play. And then about that time next year, I went to, to Lubbock and, you know, the 90s happened with OU football. It was just a disaster. And being out there, um, I kind of kept up with them, but you know, they weren't on TV a lot. I'm they weren't on TV. <laughs> it was just, you know, I'm doing my thing out there, just having a good time, and uh, you know, going to tech games. I didn't really care about tech, um, but just going to the games with my buddies and and having a good time. And um, yeah, then the year 2000 happened, and I'm actually moved back to Dallas uh, in the summer of 2000. Not not a clue that OU football was going to be any good. That you know what was going to what was coming that year. And when they whipped up on Texas that year, my dad had called me. Goes, man, did you see the score of that game? And I'm like, I did, man. It's crazy. And he goes, man, they've gotten a, uh, they've gotten a Kansas State next week, and then they got Nebraska. If they could win both of those games, I said, man, they're not they're not beating Kansas State in Manhattan. That is not happening. Yeah. And then it happened. It was like they're not beating Nebraska. They're, it's not happening. And I remember I was working that Saturday, and 
And uh, I called them up. Hey, what, what's the score? Man, it's 14 nothing. There, it's it's not looking good. And the rest is history, man. And I, we, we, I mean, we were hooked on from from there on out, and uh, been but have have had our hearts broken plenty of times since then. So yeah, uh, again, like at full admitted, I, I am a spoiled OU fan. This yeah. is this is a spoiled fan base. But no, like having like there's something to be said about having our hearts broken yeah. uh, since 2000 being so damn close and mm-hmm. having great players great teams having basically every symptom that one should have if you're talking about a, a football program uh, to win a national title whether that's generational quarterback best running back in school history you know those players those teams typically win rings and OU since 2000 just has come up short time and time again yeah. so I mean there's been a lot of success don't get me wrong I'm not trying to yeah. disparage anything but that's why this season is so exciting and there's so much pressure because massive like, yeah there's yeah. there's no excuses but right. you know the, the 2000 like red October because Anthony Anthony and I talked about this last week as well um red october is so interesting to me like when i'm trying to remember what's going on in my mind at the time because i'm nine and ten years old just kind of getting into ou football and basically just kind of going off what my dad's telling me and um going into the season he would we would talk about the season and like okay like they were fairly good last year like what do you think's gonna happen this year and it really just came down to my dad saying well those three games in october are going to be tough but if they can go two and one yeah. in those games, because he, I think he called like we could beat Texas. And if we can just split between K State and Nebraska, um, then this season could be truly special. Maybe go to the Cotton Bowl and then really build off of that to go into year three of, under Bob Stutes. But right. fortunately for us, they just went ahead and said, no, let's just go three and <laughs> oh. Yeah. So that was, yeah. that was fun. Um, I, I guess I, I am a little interested though, because the nineties are never talked about for obvious yeah. reasons. And I know you kind of kept up with it as much as you could. So I'll just ask like some basic, easy questions that I've been asking here and there on the podcast with uh, listeners. But if there is a player that you, that stands out in your memory, that isn't Damon Parker, that isn't Kelly Gregg. Uh, I'm trying to think if, if there's anybody else. If it isn't those two players, like who is the definitive '90s OU player? Because the correct answer is one of those two guys. Yeah, I'm just curious, like if there's a random name that because you were younger, maybe just a little bit more impressionable here and there, just someone that just stuck out in your mind from that era of OU football. Really, man, I'm gonna tell you, to be honest with you, the, the '90s is just it, mm-hmm. it's like a like a black hole for me. Like I just I don't know. Anything. It's like that for everybody, so don't yeah, worry. It's just like I I knew none of the players. The only thing. I, like I remember I was working at, um, at Best Buy out in Lubbock, right? And one of my roommates uh, was a junior high football coach. And at, at Texas Tech, they give you free – all the coaches in, the, in, the, in Lubbock, they give free tickets to, right? And you get like two or three. And I remember – and he'd always give us options. Hey, which game do you want to go to? You want to go to Nebraska? Do you want to go to Kansas State? You know, whoever's coming to town. And I said, man, I really want to go to Oklahoma. They've got this new coach. Uh, I know about that. I've heard about Bob Stoops. This was in 99 and I really want to go to that game, but I couldn't get off work. And, but other than that, I, the nineties, man, I just didn't know. Cause I was in high school from 90 to 91 to 94. And then I went off to college and I just, and they just weren't relevant at all. Ne- never saw them on TV. And, it's, and back then we didn't have the, uh, the luxury of really the internet the way it is now to really keep up, you know, like, the Lubbock Avalanche Journal paper wasn't talking about Oklahoma football. 
You know, I just didn't really have yeah. any access to it. So, I mean, I, I can't even name a player. Uh, really, the 80s is um, the 80s and then into the 2000s is really when, it, you know, is, is my uh, is my time when I was really focused on OU football for sure. Yeah. And I guess with like the, the late 80s, you're going to be talking about guys like Jamel Holloway, yep. um, uh, Brian Bosworth, uh, Ricky Dixon, Lloyd Carr. I'm just actually uh, in yeah, a little bit, I guess, because he was the actually, running back. Lydell Carr just, just sold Lydell Carr. Yeah. He just sold my parents uh, their, their last vehicle. Oh, really? So he sold them a car. Okay. Yeah, he's, sell, he's, sell, he's selling cars down in uh, it's either Dallas or Plano. Uh, and they, they went to go looking at cars and just walked in the office and there's Lydell Carr. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sell, selling cars. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bosworth, was he was my hero growing up. I mean, that was, uh, you know, I was 10, 11, 12 during his, uh, during his playing days. He was my hero. Um, loved Jamel Holloway. Just I loved watching the option. How, you know, it's, it's just fascinating. I, I tell people all the time, just go back and watch. It doesn't have to be Oklahoma football. Just watch any Nebraska, you know, running the option, just how how beautiful it is. It's just, yeah. it's run perfectly. It's just, it's amazing to watch. And love Jamel Holloway. Uh, love Ricky Dixon. I mean, I just thought, love watching, you know, lay the wood on people on, on defense. Just, you know, uh, I've always been kind of a defensive guy. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I just – which uh, I know we're not supposed to talk that name, but anyways. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, it is just me that's on the cleanse. If you have okay. to, like, don't worry about it. I, yeah, I can we'll, I can hear the name. I just, yeah. I can't go any further. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll when we get later on down the, uh, in the years, we'll, we'll, we'll bring that up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, just, uh, I, Jamel Holloway, Bosworth, Keith Jackson. I just, I mean, I loved all those guys. Uh, Tony Casillas, he's a little oddball now, but back then I just uh, loved Tony Casillas. Um, just, the, the the 80s defense was just was so much fun to watch it was just oh uh, yeah it was just hard to watch them against uh those miami pro offenses you know just a, so. just a little bit better like yeah, that's the, that better. was the sad thing is they were just a little bit better but yeah there is a tiny little bullet point in all of this that i've always been curious and fascinated about and i don't know how aware of this you would have been at the time but something i was always thinking because you see it nowadays where like players transfer all over the place mm -hmm. it's commonplace at this point and you see a whole bunch of like especially from a m standpoint of they had kyler murray for about five minutes and then he just willingly walks away and then becomes kyler murray at oklahoma right. while texas a m is still trying to figure out how do you get a quarterback that can throw forward consistently so um i i was i was always wondering because even though oklahoma was still you know, 84, 85, 86, 87, they were playing uh, and contending for national championships. And then, of course, 88 kind of fell off and then Switzer resigned. But that's also around the time that Troy Aikman was getting mm -hmm. to UCLA and lighting it up at UCLA and winning the Rose Bowl for them and then being the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And I was always curious if OU fans either cared about that because OU was also successful, but at the tail end, of Troy Aikman's career, that's when OU started to dip in the late 80s. And I've always been curious if OU fans had, at the time, were like, man, I'm glad we have Jamel, we had Jamel Holloway, and like, yeah, it sucks he got hurt, but man, it would have been cool to hold on to Troy Aikman if he at all would have been able to stay. Yeah, I that one's a tough one. I kind of go back and forth. I, I, I probably thinking, you know, he, he doesn't really fit the, uh, what the offense Switzer runs, right? Uh, the, the game he got hurt, they would have they'd have beat Miami that game that he got hurt. Um, I'm, I have I, watched the 85 OU Miami games. I've heard that before. And I'm I, I keep thinking like are people just saying that? Yeah. Watching that game, like yes, OU's defense had a 
problem against Miami's skill position players, Mm -hmm. but you could tell at least early on Miami could have adjusted. Yeah. Miami was having absolute trouble with Keith Jackson and Troy Aikman, just like tossing dimes all over the field. They weren't ready for that either. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what would have happened. You know, I think, I think with Jamel getting hurt, um, I think that's what brings up like, man, if Troy Aikman would have been here, you know, but I think, you know, Jamel went in the national championship and if he'd have stayed healthy his four years, I don't think anybody would have even thought, you know, anything about Troy Aikman, you know, because he just fit that Jamel just fit that Switzer offense, that wishbone so well. Yeah. And uh, another game from the past that I watched, you know, before my time was, I believe it was the 86 OU Texas game where OU wins like 48 to six or something like that. And that's like prime Jamel Holloway, like Jamel Holloway is as an 80, as a freshman in 85, like incredible. Mm -hmm. But if you want to see like prime Jamel Holloway before he gets hurt, that 86 OU Texas game, that is what OU left on the table. Now, Charles Thompson was really good and very talented. He just wasn't as experienced in being younger. And then of course he was a knucklehead and that <laughs> happened. It happened. It happened. And he, he made his life better as a result. And we're all happy for that, but it happened. And he was a knucklehead back in the eighties. And mm-hmm. so, uh, but yeah, I've just always been fascinated about like if, if Twitter existed back in the late eighties, how, how many opposing fans would have trolled Oklahoma of like, look what you were left with. And then look at Troy Aikman. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Things happen for a reason. Uh, the wishbone won a, one more title before Switzer resigned, so it is what it is. But, yeah, yeah we'll skip over the 90s. We'll get to the 2000s. We've already talked about 2000. But, um, you know, the early Stoops years. So, to me, like, the early Stoops years are going to be basically from the time he got there to Sam Bradford moving on. Like, that is kind of the first era of Bob Stoops. And Agreed. in my opinion, the best era that he had as the head coach at OU. Uh, better, best teams, balanced teams, great players. Um, so you're talking about Sam Bradford, Adrian Peterson, um, Roy Williams, Rocky Kalmus, Teddy Lehman, like all those great names, Tommy Harris, all these great names. And, you know, I, I tried to go back and reconcile like season by season, like how come this team didn't win? How come that team didn't win? And I keep coming back to, it's really hard for me, and I'm curious what you think. It really comes down to 2003 or 2008. Um, 2003 kills me, man. I mean, yeah. that, one, that that Big 12 championship game, that I couldn't sleep that night. Man, that one, I don't know what happened. I mean, that they talked about that, uh, the greatest team of all time during that. Oh, you know, God, yeah. Season. I mean, just and – and I always felt uncomfortable with that. I always hate it when that kind of stuff comes up. But, uh, man, they just ran to a buzzsaw that night. And I don't think they ever recovered for – um, that LSU game. I think if that, uh, that big 12 championship game that, you know, goes like it should have gone or normally would go, they played 10 times. OU wins that game nine out of 10 times. I think granted Saban's over there at LSU. He can adjust, you know, he can game plan, but I think that LSU game goes differently. I think they win that national championship. Uh, I know, uh, Jason White was hurt. Uh, was it a broken hand or broken finger? Yeah, thumb? and I think I think that's truly what it kind of came down to. OU's yeah. offense was so hindered by that fact they yeah. couldn't really open it up. But when they were able to, like when Jason was basically playing off of adrenaline at the end yeah. of the game, you could tell, like, okay, if OU was able to do the things that they typically can do, uh, even though LSU is very talented and deserving to be here as well, mm-hmm. OU appears to be the better team just yeah. because the of the offensive edge. But they were so hindered because of Jason's hand. And I remember, if I remember right, did they just quit running the ball at the end? I mean, LSU, weren't they just gassed at the end and, oh, you just quit running the ball or something like that? 
Uh, yeah, I mean that gets that gets talked about a lot. Like they they ran Keywan Jones, boom, 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 yeah. and but he had, he had uh, was a Keywan he had wide open. Yeah, now yeah, that so was people get mad that you know the, the going line is Chuck Long just stopped running the football and he did, but they get down to the red zone after like four or five runs and LSU's defense is gassed and then they call play action and I think Jason has to throw it away and it's it's not like the pass to Mark Clayton where he drops it. It's not the overhead pass of Keewan Jones wide open. It was just, it was the right call. Just LSU happened to blitz in the proper spot because you're running the ball down their throat. What do you do? Play action. That like you set up the set up the run to get the pass game going. But then once they stopped the clock and it was second down, that's where Chuck Long kind of got in his own head. Mm-hmm. And the four straight pass plays, like he, like on itself, like on the surface, terrible. Um, the first pass play I'm fine with. Everything else was just, oh, Jason just had a little bit too much pressure on that throw to Key One. Uh, yeah. Mark Clayton, it would have been a very tough catch. He did touch it. The ball did touch his hands. It was in double coverage. It would have been tough, but man, it was that game is so hard. But I think you're right. I mean, uh, everyone basically has this thought as well of like the 03 Big 12 title game just really stole a lot of Bob's mojo. Not necessarily for that season alone, but I mean, even in 2004. And the reason why I didn't bring up 2004 was because, I mean, simply put, USC was just far better than them and they proved it. And USC, I mean, you, put him up there with 2001 Miami um, 2019 LSU like maybe I, I guess the Tua Alabama team or maybe even the Alabama team last year because of their skill position like those are some of the best teams in the last 20-25 years USC was 04 was yeah. definitely up there and it pisses me off that Texas gets to play a shell of that team exactly. the following year because USC lost like half their defense from that yep. 04 squad but um the way the team played in 04 was just so conservative, just so conservative. And a lot of it, I feel like was just kind of a ripple effect from the Kansas state game. But then, you know, a few years later, they get new players into the system and they get to reload with the Sam Bradford team. And I don't know. It's really kind of a, depending on my mood between Florida or LSU, which one I feel like is the biggest missed opportunity. And for the most part, I, I, I tend to think that it's the Florida game. I agree. I, yeah. I think that Florida one, cause gosh, man, it just having DeMarco would have been such a big difference. I such a big difference down there on the goal line. I, going back to 2003 real quick. I wonder what changes, if any, that, that Kansas state game, if, you see a lot in you see a lot of the, like especially like Alabama coordinators when they get a job they they stay right yep yep i know where this is going yeah just what happens if if mike stoops does stay through through the end of the season i think that that's incredibly important and by the yeah. way for those that are kind of like what is he talking about with the cleanse like i'm on a mike stoops yeah, cleanse yes. until uh, game 1 against tulane so this entire month and a half like no, no more Mike Stoops rants, none of that. But I did put down the rules on the Patreon page. So if you absolutely want to know them, like just go to through the keyhole, $4 a month will get you access to the Mike Stoops cleanse rule book. Now, one of the bullet point rules is you can watch like games from Mike Stoops' first stint or IE talk about them. As long as you understand that he left in 2003, like you're mentioning prior to the national title game, prior to the Big 12 championship game, and, to Arizona. 
to go to Air to go to Arizona to get like recruiting started. And then basically every single year after that, whenever a big time assistant is leaving a program that's playing in a gigantic game or a national title type game, all those assistants stayed. Like Bo Pelini stayed at LSU as the defensive coordinator in 07. Um Alabama's assistants, like you mentioned, stayed. LSU's mm-hmm. assistants stayed in, t- in 2019. And it just makes that all the more like, like yep. I don't know if Mike Stoops staying in 2003 would have helped, but I mean, I've read so many interviews from players and of course they're talking about this after the fact, and maybe this is them trying to justify or reconcile the fact that they right. got smoked by Kansas state and lost to LSU, but they do bring up fairly consistently. Like Mike leaving was a gigantic hole on the team that they just weren't able to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, they, they know Venables, but it's a different voice. I mean, it's just a different, I mean, Mike was in charge of that defense. That was his defense. So yeah, that, I just, that always, I just always wonder that just what, what could have been, what would have changed, would have been any different or were they still have run into that buzzsaw? I don't know. Um, I mean, it was Sproles, wasn't it? Sproles was running the running back. Yeah, he was, he, he still would have been an issue, but I mean, yeah, you know, other teams had had success against them during the season, you know, so I think, I think even the way that game started, like that game was just such a, a, such a good example of a team that, I mean, to us, I mean, I don't, I'm not in that locker room. I'm not a college football player by any means, but to us with our limited knowledge, it just seemed like an example of a team that really kind of bought its own hype because yeah, yeah. they get the ball first. Keywan Jones has a, what a 60, 70 yard touchdown yeah. run. And, Down you know, and just like we're, we're all faking this and probably probably them too. Oh, this is easy. Like, this is a wrap. We're just going to beat this team 65 to 13 like we've done everybody else in this conference. Go to the national title and go win it because it's our birthright. Like, we've got the <laughs> O and the U on our helmet. Uh, this is the best team Bob has had in his short time at OU. It's, it's our birthright. And then Kansas State punched them in the mouth and mm-hmm. said, no, we want to play too. And that Kansas State team... I've gone back. Their coaching staff is insane. It's littered with people who just went on to become head coaches. And you go back and look at their schedule. They were injured early on and lost two games as a result. And so that's why I think a lot of people kind of underestimated them going like, this is a three or four loss. I can't remember what they were. Kansas State team, like they've got no business in this game. It's like, no, they were, they were still obviously very good. But yeah, no, that was a, um, you know, just another example of, you know, don't buy the hype. You know, if you, if you're getting told that you're great at something, you know, try to take it and try to take the compliment and appreciate it, but always understand that there's work to be done. And so it's a good example. That was even the days before Twitter, you know, Yeah. I mean, you know, now they're just getting it from everywhere that how great, you know, how great you can be, but yeah, just, oh yeah. And then, you know, same thing happened, you know, that uh, I was at that uh, national championship game against USC and, Oh, you just drives it right down the field. I mean, goes up seven nothing. I'm like, man, this is great. Yeah. This is, uh, and I want to say I can't remember if USC scored the next drive. I remember OU had stopped them. I believe OU stopped. OU stopped them. OU got the ball back, and then they punted. Then USC scored, and it's seven. Was that after, Was it that Bradley? Uh, the Bradley fumble. Yeah. So after yeah. USC scores, they give it back to Oklahoma. Oklahoma goes three and out, or they just punt the ball away, and then that's mm-hmm. when. Okay. Yeah, I've never watched that game again, but I just remember being there. Just that, I just remember the Bradley fumble, and it just all all hell broke loose after that. You know, just yeah, it, it just it really kind of seemed like to me two teams that were fairly even, and mm-hmm. so even that the second something screwed up, 
the yeah. second something screwed up, like the floodgates would open. Like if USC had touched their own punt, tied seven to seven, that could have very well happened in exactly. snowballing for them. Exactly. I mean, I mean, knowing full well, like in terms of NFL talent, USC had far more NFL talent. No I mean, that doesn't matter in college. Yeah, that doesn't always win you games. Uh, but no, it was. That was, you know, the 03, 04 season was always interesting. It's interesting to me. I mean, this isn't about me today, but, um, you know, my dad, my family and I, we were stationed in Turkey for mm-hmm. most of that, those two seasons. And so we'd wake up at three or four in the morning, watch all those games we talked about. Now the USC game, that's when we got stationed in Idaho. And that was my first day of school was the day of the orange bowl. And so I went to school with like a big OU hoodie and an OU hat on and like, Hey, I'm Brady. I'm the OU kid. And uh, everybody was just like, Oh, cool. You know, it's like got a big game tonight. And we're like, yeah. And then the next day I come to class and it's just a whole bunch of man. That that was awful. That, that was, that day was the longest day of my life. So we, you know, we live in Dallas. Uh, my dad and I dr- drove up to Oklahoma city and took a, uh, I guess we stayed the night there that next morning took a flight from Oklahoma city to Miami and it was like a charter deal. And it was, it was all you fans on there bus picks us up and it takes us over to some little shopping area. It was right next to the, uh, uh, the American airlines uh, arena and kind of hung out there. Then they took us to the stadium and then that happened. And I want to say, I said halftime earlier, but I want to say probably around 10 minutes left in the third quarter, I guess USC had scored again. We're like, we're out of here. So we had to go sit on that bus because we couldn't leave because there's actually people wanting to stay and watch the rest of that game, which to, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we sat on that bus, took it straight back out to the airport, caught about 11 or 12 o'clock flight, um, flew back to Oklahoma City. It started icing in Oklahoma City. Uh, we had left a dome light on in the vehicle. So the, the, the battery was dead. Had to get somebody to jump it, trying to beat the ice coming down, get back down south to Dallas. It was just a disaster. I mean, I remember walking, I remember walking into my apartment door at like 7 a.m. and just crashing. And it just, it was a long day. So defeated. Oh, just unbelievably defeated, you know, just, just awful. Yeah. I had some buddies that, um, I think I just graduated from OU at the time. So yeah, this was the 2015 year when OU went to the Orange Bowl to play Clemson yeah. in the playoff game, I had some buddies go down to Miami for the game. And I just remember them telling me about, telling me about the trip back and it was just nothing but what a waste of money. We, we, yeah. oh, we just, yeah. they went out and got drunk after the game, like to yeah. drown their sorrows and spent too much money and they didn't have enough to get back home. And so they, you know, they had to like beg some parents for some money to get wired yeah. to them. So it's, <laughs> you know, it, it never fails. Like that, that's the true gamble of going to these playoff games or yeah. these bowl games is that you, you need to try to make fun, like the, the trip fun other than just the game, because if that's all you're going for, it could very well just be like, why did I waste my money for this? Yeah, like, yeah. I can't imagine people that went to the Rose Bowl. Like I, oh. oh my God, if that's all you went for and you didn't yeah. go to like enjoy Southern California and do some other things, that could have been a just awful yes. trip. We, we talked about going and I'm so glad we didn't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, that USC game is, it's always what's in the back of our minds is taking a trip worth it. You know, because yeah. we've been through you before. Got, you like, guys got PTSD. It's, it's yeah. I mean, it happens. Why, that's why. I'm, yeah, it's exactly what it is. And we went to Tennessee, and that was one of the greatest experiences uh, I, I've been through as far as a, a college football game. We we didn't go to Notre Dame because 
we were that A&M Cotton Bowl happened, and we was like, gosh, man, they're, they're not going to beat it. Notre Dame, it just happened earlier that year. You know? And we never beat Notre Dame. Like, right. We, we just, right. no matter how good we are and how average they are, they just always beat us. Yeah. And then, that, and then they won that game. I mean, it was a great game. Going to Ohio State, we talked about it. We're like, man, I don't think this teams can go up there and beat Ohio State. Man, I wish I'd have gone to that game. Just yeah. really wish I'd have gone to that game. You know, I just, uh, regular season games to me I think are you can get away with going because like you're going to a bowl trip you're going to a most most times you're going to an expensive city an expensive tourist city and you're not necessarily experiencing the full extent of the opposing fan base so like when you when OU plays Tennessee or Ohio State like sure you could lose and that could be a bummer but you had the experience of being on Tennessee's campus. You had yeah. the potentially the experience to be on campus at Ohio State and tailgate with their fans. And anytime right. like blue blood or helmet schools have a blue blood come to town, like, yeah, there can be dicks that treat you like crap. But for the most part, I feel like you get treated like, hey, we want you to enjoy your experience here. So it's like, even if OU were to lose any of those games, it's yeah. like, that was still a fun trip. Like I went yeah. to, I unfortunately went to the Oregon game. And oh yeah, I've heard you talk about that. Yeah, their fans were terrible their fans were terrible after the game but before it was a lot of fun the trip up there from uh driving to idaho to eugene was a lot of fun and i I guess in a weird way the fact that that game will always be remembered (laughs) as a game that oh you truly won but was cheated out of like that kind of makes it the more special that i was there but um yeah like i'm still glad that i went in a weird way i guess yeah no i can i can see that for sure for sure no but uh like with basically the last handful of years under Lincoln Riley. Um, it's, it's really odd to me just because OU, like, like we said, like, OU is a, it's a spoiled fan base mm-hmm. and yet the steady improvement and trajectory that Lincoln's put the program on since he's been the head coach. And even since he's become the offensive coordinator uh, back in 2015, it's so apparent. And I don't want to just sit here and disparage Bob Stoops like last decade, but at the same time, like OU is getting to a point now where it's no longer just a fanboy like dream that, okay, like we're going to have talent. We have like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Maybe if, you know, we get a handful of breaks, we can win a national title because that's what you can wish for as an OU fan. Uh, you can't do that as an OSU fan. You can't do that as a Kansas State fan. But I mean, this year, it's, it's awesome. And it's also scary just because there, there, there are no more excuses. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be past the cleanse by the time the season is over. Uh, but if OU does have an inexplicable loss or if OU does like not ex- meet expectation this year, I'm not going to be sitting here blaming Mike or blaming Bob. Like yeah. I like it just that can't happen anymore this year. They have no more excuses. So I'm curious you, your opinion as a fan, like how are you kind of, tiptoeing into the season are you just so excited for it does it feel close to like an 08 or a 2000 season to you i I, the hype makes me so nervous all the hype (laughs) everywhere like is what was it phil still talking about oh he's gonna win the national championship you know just i mean all these so-called quote-unquote experts talking heads actually talking up ou football they they could win it all just makes me really nervous i yeah i just i don't know what to I'm a, I mean, I'm a big believer in, um, in Alex Grinch and I, I can't believe the, the change in a short period of time that I thought it was going to take longer. I really did. Um, I mean, it was such a, a disaster what he took over and really what he did that first year uh, was I mean, 
outside that um, that LSU game was was really amazing. You know, you look at the 2018 Texas game and the 2019 Texas game. Oh yeah, just it's just it's it's unbelievable. You know, talking about Lincoln, um, I've always loved Bob Stoops for love the fact the way he turned the program around, but. Like you said, 2008 is kind of that last. I guess maybe 2009, you know. But yeah, if that Atlanta, team did, if that team wasn't injury plagued, that team yeah. would have been. I mean, I don't know how good because the offensive line was Terrible, still yeah. fairly green and the receivers yeah. were all brand new. Like they yeah. lost, but they would have had Jermaine Gresham if they don't get yeah. you know the injury exactly. plague. So yeah. that team would have been a force. I just don't know how. Like I don't know if that was a national title contender, but that defense was so incredible. They may yeah, very yeah. well have been. Yeah, you know. uh, but the Landry Jones years are just to me, and I don't want to just be, put it on Landry Jones, but it's just a, <laughs> it just it, it's a yawn. It's boring. It just it doesn't do anything for me. The 2014 Baylor game was was about the most disgusted I've ever I've ever felt after a game. Um, and then oh, yeah. I was out in Lubbock. Uh, it was the first time I'd actually been back in Lubbock since uh, I'd left. It'd been 16 years, and I uh, went out to Lubbock for that uh, OU Tech game for 2016. Baker and um, um, oh. Patrick Mahomes, uh, Mahomes, yeah, Baker and Mahomes, and 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 this is what it's exactly what what Lubbock's about. Or Tech fans are. We walked out of that game. We felt like we lost. Oh yeah. And Tech fans were walking around like they won. <laughs> that, that's that's the difference. I mean, they yeah. were just so excited that we just saw such a great great game, and we hung with OU and blah blah blah, and we're and we're walking out there going. And you got to fire Mike Stoops. This is ridiculous. I mean, th- we can't do this anymore. And when the next, uh, I guess it was the next summer, uh, my dad actually called me up. Usually I'm the one breaking news to him because I, on Twitter, that's what I use Twitter for. That's, it's my OU football stuff. That's what I get OU football news from, breaking news. And I'm usually breaking news to him. He called me up and says, hey, man, have you heard the news? I said, what's that? He goes, Bob Stoops is uh, resigning. I was like, you're kidding me. He goes, yeah, Lincoln Riley is going to be the head coach. I was, Best news I've heard. I knew recruiting was – I knew I knew everything was going to change right there. I knew recruiting was going to all of a sudden go in a different direction. It was going to be more creative when it comes to recruiting. It was just – because it's become so stale. It was just – I mean, the way that program was coming, it was just it was just a stale program. And, you know, 2017, 2018, my goodness gracious, they – with those quarterbacks, it's just a shame. I just – Baker's – Bosworth will always be my all-time favorite. But Baker's right there with them. And for that guy to never win a national championship, it just it hurt it hurts yeah. my heart. It just hurts. No, Baker, know? Baker and Brian Bosworth were essentially just fans who play who were talented enough exactly. to play football at yeah. that level. So like that's they why talk, like they, talk, so they both talk trash about they both talk trash about Texas. You know, how can you exactly not love, they right? say that they they said exactly what you and I would say if we were talented enough to play football at OU when we were in yeah. college. So yeah. Yeah, like again, I've talked about that a zillion times, just seeing like Sony Michelle score that touchdown to win the game, and then the camera just cuts right to Baker Mayfield on the sideline. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's just, just killer. And I, and the 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 funny thing is that I always bring up, and a lot of people forget this is after the uh, Stephen Parker touchdown. Yeah. OU stops them. Yeah. They get the ball back, and it's like third and two, and they run that little option, I think, or something like that with Kyler and Baker. And I'm just like, all they had to do was get a first down, you know. Mike's defense actually did make the stop when they really needed it right there. Not, not yeah. the end of the game, but you know, um, Oh man, when they made that stop, I thought we had it. I thought, I thought yeah. we had it. And I think they win that game, man. It just changes so much of the narrative that's out there. You know, it just, uh, it helps recruiting. It just, uh, man, that, that game, 
I don't know if I'll ever get over that game. Just I don't think I'll ever get over it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the argument that I think could be that could be made like against what you're kind of saying and like and you're right. Like I remember at the time, like the defense got to stop. And even in bad examples of like 2015, 16, 17, and even 18, um, bad examples of bad defenses. Uh, there were times where the defenses would get stops because at the end of the day, they still had talent. Like the talent was never really the problem. Like they're the types of the types of athletes, you know, maybe you could question. And as time has gone on, like we're, we're kind of becoming more familiar with, yeah, it wasn't necessarily that they were bad football players. It was just, they, they weren't put in the right positions to succeed uh, for one reason or the other, but yes, the defenses would make stops time and time again, or I mean, I guess, sprinkled very few and far in between but in terms of that example with the rose bowl like yes they get that stop but i think like the argument that i would constantly make is there was so much momentum lost yeah that the defense gave up that the offense to just kind of turn it back on like that's just not realistic especially when you're playing a team like georgia like when you're playing in a playoff game it's just hard to turn things back on like they're either on or they're off like you're either the one kicking the ass or the, you're the one that's receiving the ass kicking. And it was just, that was such a up and down game that it makes sense that Lincoln Riley might call a, a questionable play or have like questionable uh, play calling. Like Baker was also kind of hurt and that might've influenced things. No, I was, I was, I was just about to bring that up. You know, one thing a lot of people don't bring that they, they don't remember when they came out at halftime, that first drive, Baker was on the ground. Some guy just leveled him in the back that late hit. Yeah. I think if that doesn't happen, I think that changes the game also because I think he was really struggling after that. There something wasn't right with him. I think something was lower back at that time. The side, I just I, I think that really affected him. And affected yeah, and him. it it affected the play calling. I I remember yeah, that, sure. but yeah, that's uh, yeah. That one is but going one. but going into this year, man. I yeah, to your original question. I uh, super excited. I um, mean, you know, I can't wait. Um, Man, I just hope they don't let, don't let us down. I mean, I, you know, the like I said, I'm pessimistic, man. I, uh, been, when you've been an OU fan as long as uh, as long as I've been around, uh, you've had some heartbreaks, and yeah. it's almost like you're setting yourself up. Like, <laughs> I know it's coming. I know it's coming. But man, when they do win it all, though, that's going to be one of the greatest days. I'm telling you right now. Just yeah, you're going to be sleep, won't sleep for two or three nights. <laughs> you going to be making it up to Norman for any games this year at all? Yeah. Uh, so I have a nine-year-old daughter. Uh, we took her to uh, South Dakota State a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. It's you know, an easy one to break exactly. a kid and we're gonna with. Take, yeah. We're going to take her up for West Carolina. Um, and we were going to go for Nebraska, but, I mean, she's got softball games and soccer games she plays, and I hate missing those games. Uh, so that'd be two weeks in a row would miss. So we're still kind of debating on Nebraska, but it's hard not to go up there for, not to go up there from Nebraska. And, um, we always go down to Waco, um, cause it's like an hour, hour and a half drive for us. Yeah. Um, we talked about probably Iowa state going to, mm-hmm. going to that game. So we usually go to two, two games a year. We try to at least. Oh yeah. Try to make it up there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm already trying to get my ducks in a row to potentially go up to Lincoln, for the yeah. return game in Nebraska next year. Um, yeah, we're definitely I, doing that. Yeah, that, that'll be fun. Of course, if you read certain people, like, oh, you will probably have to be playing Nebraska as a conference opponent in four, <laughs> right. five, six years. And yeah. I'm not really looking forward to that 
potential possibility, but yeah. that's for another time. But, uh, right. uh, Trey, before I get you out of here, you know, thank you very much for a wanting to jump on. Thank you again for subscribing to the Patreon page. Truly appreciate that. Um, really, really cannot describe how thankful I am for that. And also my, my last little kind of question, mm-hmm. uh, would just be, it's, it's a simple thing. Like we, we talked about a handful of players, over the years, but if there's just one OU player other than Brian Bosworth, yep, and Baker Mayfield, yep, that you'd go to, like you would go to bat for, who would it be? Dusty Dvorak. Dusty Dvorak. Well, that's 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 a good that's a good like that's what I try to look for because yeah, like it's hard like to not say Adrian Peterson. It's hard yep. not to say Baker Mayfield, and I get that, but that's why I'm trying to like I'm really trying to dig down into your Sooner fandom. So I'm glad yeah. you said Dusty. So like, why exactly? Man, the way that guy played with hair on fire, just yeah. all over the place. Uh, you know, I think I think there's a there's a shot of him. It might have been the 2001 Texas game, just shoving Sims to the ground. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> just kind of standing over. Just anytime you mess with Texas like that, I love you. You know, I just, uh, <laughs> you know, I I just love you. But I just, I mean, I love the way he played. Um, Teddy Lehman, kind of the same thing. Um, just the way those guys played. That I, I just love that 2003 defense. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, Boz and Baker will always have a soft spot for me, but yeah, Dusty's, he's right there with them. I just, yeah. uh, I, I love that guy. I just loved watching that guy play. I think in terms, like if we're talking about the O3 defense, probably my favorite player is going to be Derek straight. Cause that dude yeah. was just great from day one. Yeah. And other than his highlight plays that I think you, OU fans can kind of recall from just watching highlight games here and there. But if you just watch a random, like I watched OU Kansas state from 2000, and Kansas State is, I think they're down seven at the end. I think they lose by seven, and they got the ball back last, and they're just heaving Hail Marys downfield. And at one point, K- Kansas State's receiver kind of beats Derek Straight, and uh, uh, Brandon Everidge, rest in peace, uh, yeah. is coming across the field uh, to basically hit the receiver because he's like, all right, he's probably going to catch this. And Derek Straight's got about a foot behind him, um, all of a sudden, like the ball's like coming out of the air into the end zone, and Derek Strait just jumps up into the air and swats it away, and then Brandon Everidge just erases the receiver in the yeah. end zone. Like it's yes. just perfectly played. It's basically the same example without yeah. Brandon Everidge coming out of nowhere um, that you see in the Orange Bowl against Florida State, where Derek just bats the ball away. But that, like that dude, did that every single yeah. game and pick sixes, just great play. And um, hopefully, OU's got a cornerback on the roster that's fairly comparable to Derek straight in terms of the results, but you know, another one, um, always loved Roy Williams. Uh, hard so not got, to, I've got a story about the, the Superman play. Oh, so yes. On that day, my, uh, one of my best friends growing up, he's a Texas alum, his roommates, a Texas alum. They were, they were roommates in college. Uh, my best friend's sister there is, is marrying his old roommate. Their wedding day is on that day or OU Texas 2001 about it's the game's a two thirty game. Uh, I think the, the wedding's like at six or six 30. Yeah. So it, luckily I didn't live too far from uh, where they're having it. And I remember when um, was it Vasher that dropped the punt and it got to like, uh, he, he fairly caught it at the two for yeah. some reason. No. Like, thank you, Nathan. But I remember thinking son of a gun, this is where Chris Sims is going to make a name for himself. He's going to do it. Mm. I just, I just, that pessimist, you know, it's just, like, I, I probably would have felt the same. If I was yeah. older, I would have felt the same way. I, I was watching the game, yeah. but I was 
10, 11 years old. So I was just, my life was not going to hinge off this, right. this game. I was just looking forward to like playing sports outside that day, yes. probably. But yes. if I would have been older, I'd have been like, oh, here it comes. Yep. Here it comes. <laughs> completely dominated them the whole game. was like, this is good. Someone, it's going to be a busted coverage or something. And when that play happened, I mean, I, was, I remember I was putting my tie on. I just, I lost it. I went crazy. And then I had to leave. And I walked into that place. Cause it's full of Texas fans, and I was oh, just, yeah. I mean, chest out. Uh, you ever seen that Vince McMahon meme where he's just, kind oh of yeah, and he's just walking out to the ring. That, yeah, I mean, that was me. I mean, I was so fired up that day, and I mean, it was great. <laughs> Cause if if they'd have lost that game, I, I probably wouldn't have gone to the way. I probably just wouldn't have gone, you know. But yeah, funny story on that. It was uh, uh, so yeah, Roy Williams always got a another soft spot for him for me there because uh that was such a such a great great experience and going to that wedding and full of texas alums and just giving it to them just giving it to God. them now hopefully there are some more memories like that for 2021 because it'd be be kind of fun no kid no kid and no no close texas game this year i i need one of those uh curb stompings oh yeah i think i, need- I think the curb stomp factor is i mean growing steam every single day the closer we get to football yeah. season i think that it's um Again, it just kind of goes into that whole category of there are no more excuses this year, Lincoln. Like if you yeah. if you're up 31 to 17 towards the end of the game against Texas, then it needs to stay that way or get worse for them. Like it's it's that simple. It's no Agreed. more of this underachieving Texas squad, but it's a rivalry game. It's like no, kill them, yeah. kill them at least this year. But Trey, Agreed. thank you so much, my man, for uh, wanting to jump on. This was a lot of fun. I love talking OU football. That doesn't have to do with. Spencer Rattler's throwing motion or his decision-making because that that's fun. And I appreciate that from Keegan, but day after day after day after day, I'm just like, can we talk about Brian Bosworth? Can we talk about Jamel Holloway or yeah. can we talk about the two thousands for sure every once in a while? <laughs> yeah, no, thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me on. I think it's really cool that you guys do, or you do this with the, with the, for us, uh, non-professional podcasters, uh, <laughs> getting on and, uh, and it's really, I think it's really cool that you got, you do that for the fans and, uh, you know, kind of, talk about their experiences. I think that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, again, like there are podcasts that I've listened to all the time, even before I started doing this for a job. And Mm -hmm. I'd always think, because I'm an only child, so I don't know if this is a mental thing with me, but there have been times where I'll listen to a podcast in my house and I'll like kind of talk back. Yeah. It's like, that's the whole point of a podcast is you're like listening in on a conversation. And I'd always think like, man, it'd be cool to be able to jump on this show or if they allowed like listeners to want to jump on here and there. Um, so I thought, yeah, that's a good idea for yeah, just some extra, cool, some extra content. And it also allows this, com- these conversations to happen. So I'm, I'm very happy to do it. But once again, Trey, thank you again, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Inside OU. Once again, uh, we are looking forward to a few more weeks of fan editions. We are getting closer and closer and closer to football season. I know you're excited. I'm excited. Uh, Once again, through the keyhole, our Patreon page, uh, please give that a chance um, as we get closer to football season with more content, more poignant content as it pertains to the 2021 season. Keegan and I are raring to go for some fun content heading your way. So again, $4 a month gets you most of it. $5 a month gets you everything, including Keegan's film reviews that will be dropping after each OU game. So look forward to that. And again, if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate that as well. But until next time, everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later.